Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Hey, it's Wednesday night. Means it's Thunder and Lightning live here. On Super Talk Mississippi, I'm Brian Haydad. Rhino is down there in Studio X. He's making sure everything uh, works properly. Shout out to Richard Cross. Waited until there were 60 seconds left to get to promo this show. I was very proud of him. I gave him the look at, at like, there was maybe 60 seconds left of the clock, and I gave him the old, and he caught it. So, good job. I appreciate that. appreciate you guys tuning in on Wednesday night. Always glad to be with you. we got a lot to talk about today. We will talk some spring football a little later in the show. Uh, so some of the big picture thoughts, you know, I have after just three practices in. But we got to talk a lot of baseball tonight. I think we're going to do that maybe for, uh, for the first half hour here, to be honest with you. Because it deserves that conversation. And, and when you look at Mississippi State baseball, and, and I am not a, a, Mississippi State is a baseball school kind of, of person. All right. Because in today's college athletics, you can't be a baseball school. You got to be a football school first. Now, if you want to ask me what sport has been the most successful year in, year out of Mississippi, it's baseball. I get that. I get that. The history, the tradition, the passion of the fans, certainly it's unmatched. And Mississippi State baseball two years ago won a national championship, and I was, was pretty adamant in my thinking, and I'm pretty sure I was pretty public with it when we go back and listen to past podcasts and past shows uh, here on this network on Sports Talk Mississippi, that that was the, the the final step and the launching point that Mississippi State was going to put itself in a position now that they had that national title now that they were in that top elite tier of programs that they would never look back and that they would you know go forward and and make many return trips to Omaha and probably grab a couple more national titles along the way I was adamant in my belief that Chris Lamonis would be a coach here as long as he wanted to be the coach here. And that would probably have a tenure. I mean, Ron Polk was at, uh, was in Starville 76 to 97. So 21 years. I thought it could be something like that for Chris Lamonis. And that this program was just going to remain in the top tier of not just the SEC, but of all college baseball programs. And now we fast forward a year and, and, and some months. State finished last, dead last in the SEC a season ago. Missed Hoover. Finished with a losing record. Uh, and this year sits at 12 and 8, and after a, an opening weekend where they were, quite frankly, embarrassed. They were embarrassed when they went up to Lexington last weekend. Uh, they had a chance to win the first game, gave that away, uh, and then were almost run ruled on Saturday, and then were run ruled on Sunday, and really weren't competitive in those games. Walks, stolen bases against, errors. Wild pitches, you name it. State, if, if there was a way to give away a run, State found it. And if there was a way to strand a runner, State found it. They, 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 they were poor in every facet of the game last weekend. 
players, coaches, you can blame whoever you want. But there's plenty of blame. There's plenty to go around. And so now Mississippi State finds themselves facing a huge task. Vanderbilt comes in, a top-10 team. They just swept Ole Miss last weekend. They're hot. They're playing at a high level. I mean, you run the risk of the season getting away from you in the second week of conference play. If you remember last year and the way conference play started, State was, they couldn't, they were having trouble winning, but they were competitive. They were competitive, and then they they finally won a series, and they, it looked like at some point they were going to snap out of the funk. And then, of course, when they when they went up to Ole Miss and won that series there, you, we I think we all thought collectively, State and Ole Miss fans, and Ole Miss fans, you'll agree with me, I think, that at that that at that moment when State got the third game and won that series, that State was about to start creeping towards postseason play, and Ole Miss was going to fall off. And what happened? State fell off, and Ole Miss won the national ch- the national championship. I was try- I was torn between title and championship there, as you can tell. So I came up with title, not a word. Um, and since that series for Mississippi State, they haven't won an SEC game. Not one. They've been swept now. I'm sorry. They, I'll take, I take it back. They won one. They won the first game at Missouri the next week, and then lost the next two. And then we're swept out the final three series, and now a sweep here. So that's 14 straight SEC losses for this program. That's a record. Not the kind of record you want to be breaking. And so we're all left to look at it and go, how? You know, it's not what happened. The question is how? How did it happen? How did a program win a national title and then immediately collapse? Some of us like to blame the supernatural. Perhaps some deals with a... You know, spiritual deities were reached in that game against Vanderbilt, and now they have uh, come to collect. Possible. I put nothing past the uh, the spiritual and the supernatural. But in reality, I mean, this team has good players on it. Larry and Ledbetter at the top of the order, those are good hitters. Kellum Clark and Hunter Hines are good SEC-proven hitters. Lane Forsythe has gotten better as a hitter every year he's been at Mississippi State. Um, Luke Hancock is a proven SEC hitter. Uh, and you've got some talented freshmen, especially on the mound. Now, you're missing a lot of guys there. And if you listen to our Thunder and Lightning podcast on Tuesday, Robbie Falk and I went into great detail about some of the recruiting misses, you know, for Mississippi State. I mean, they're, they're, they're up there, you know, especially from a pitching standpoint. But this team is way too talented to get handled the way they did by Kentucky this past weekend. So what's going on? Fans will be... You know they they want to blame someone and and when you're the head coach of an SEC baseball program, especially one that has the the pressure to win that Mississippi State does, you're going to take a lot of the blame. I think Chris Lamonis has done a good job of shouldering the blame. You know when you listen to him talk, he's he's pretty. You know we've got to get that fixed. That's on us as coaches to get that fixed. It just becomes the question of not are you, but can you? You know I asked him about stolen bases. State's state this year. When a guy gets on first against Mississippi State, he might as well be on second, and he can almost go to third if he wants. Opposing teams are 43 of 46 in stolen bases against Mississippi State this year. And so I asked him, I was like, can you correct it? Not, you know, how? Can? Is it possible? And he seemed hopeful that it could be. You know, He said that they had spent a great deal of the, the previous practice working on that, and they have to, you know, because you can't allow that. 
You know, you can't let a walk turn into a double every time, especially when you walk batters as often as Mississippi State does. And Robbie made a good point on uh, on the podcast as well. He said, it seems like Mississippi State is a team where every mistake they make, they pay for. They never have an error, and then they just get out of the inning. If they walk a guy, that guy's probably coming around. They can't, they can't get out of their own way in a lot of instances. So where does that lead them? I mean... You got Vanderbilt this weekend. Next weekend is South Carolina. They've lost one game this year. Week after that is Alabama, who's been pretty good this year. Should have won the series at Florida last week and had a lead in the bottom of the ninth in one of the games, and then just got walked off. Then you have Ole Miss, and I mean, what's Ole Miss at this point? I mean, I don't know. They lost three games last weekend as well. They've got Florida this weekend. Tough weekend for them. But we all talked about state and this 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 first part of the schedules where they needed to pile up the wins because the last four series are Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, Texas A and M. I don't think that order's right, but those are the last four teams you play. I mean, what are you doing in those series? Those those are going to be tough tough series to win to get games out of. State needs to be piling up wins now. If they can't get this series this weekend, I mean, you you really are starting to think, okay. Hosting, hosting's been gone for Mississippi State. They just eight eight losses at this point. You're not hosting unless you just reel off 22 conference wins, which I don't think anybody would believe is going to happen at this point. So hosting's gone. So now it's like, can you get into the NCAA tournament? Well, if you start off 0 and six in conference play, and you got those 12 games that I just listed coming your way at the end of the year, going to be tough. Going to be tough to make it to the conference, uh, make it to the NCAA tournament. And then it becomes another question of can you make it to Hoover? Probably need 12, 13 wins to be sure that you're in Hoover. Are you running out of opportunities? Baseball season, everybody talks about how it's early, it's early, it's only the second week of conference play. Yeah, there, there's it, it is early, but at this point, you know, when State finishes up the weekend, they'll have played, what, 24 games in a 56-game season? So they're almost to the halfway point. So it's not as early as you think it is. So we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more because we need to talk about this pitching rotation, what state needs to do there. It's the focus of tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast, but I want to talk about it with you tonight uh, as well because state's got some talented arms. They've got some guys that that can get out there and put the ball over the plate. I know they can. They got the, they've got the ability, but they've got to start doing it, and they got to figure out these pieces sooner rather than later. So we'll be back in just a minute. We'll talk some more baseball when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Listen up! There is a storm coming! Back here on Thunder and Lightning, here on Super Talk. Mississippi. If 
you uh, ever missed the Thunder and Lightning podcast or if you missed this show, it's all available wherever you get podcasts. You just subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. Of course, Super Talk, home of some of the best sports podcasts here in the state. Sports Talk Mississippi, available in podcast form and ad-free, which is fantastic. Shout out to my good friend, Will East, even though he insults me on a daily basis, Rhino. I still like him. Uh, We also have the Rebel Report. We have the Eagle Hour. And supertalk.fm, plenty of Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, high school football. And now we've added uh, Saints and Pelicans coverage for you guys. You know, obviously here in this state, that's a big deal. So check it out, supertalk.fm, bookmark it. By the way, it doesn't cost nothing either. So we're saving you money. Just one-stop shop for all your news, sports, everything, supertalk.fm. So Mississippi State is trying to figure out its starting rotation. I think we saw after last week that Graham Intima, who just he couldn't even get out of the first inning, couldn't get an out. I, I don't see him starting another SEC game. You have Landon Gartman, who, gosh, if you go back and watch that game, he was in cruise control the first three innings. It looked like he was going to give them five or six really solid innings and and take the win, and it just completely got away from him You know, starting in the fifth. Gerangelo Sanjay has been good, but he had a really rough start last week. But he, to get to his credit, and for a true freshman's credit, bounced back after that and got stayed into the fifth inning. And then you have some other names. You know, if you watched the game last night with Arkansas State, you saw Bradley Lofton. Now, Bradley Lofton is another true freshman. Had a great game last night, pitched five innings, only gave up three hits, no runs, struck out nine, and he only walked two. Previous starts, he had had some issues. He'd been kind of one for one, strike out to walk. But last night, really looked like he was in control and is starting to figure out some things with his mechanics there. You have Cade Smith, who I expect to be back from injury, if not this week, next week at, at the latest. I say injury, I believe it's illness. I believe he's been sick. And then you have Nate Dome, who's been State's best arm out of the bullpen and has been a guy who's shown you he can give you multiple innings, four or five innings at a time, and has been good in those in those longer outings. And so what do you do this weekend? In, in, in games that are, you know, must win. It's tough to say must win, right, when it's the fourth, fifth, and sixth SEC. It's just tough, right? But it has that feeling to it for Mississippi State. They need to get a win. They need to at least get one of these games. They can't be swept two weekends in a row. That's that's just coming off of last year. That is just not acceptable. Nobody is going to, to to continue to buy in. You gotta you gotta show you gotta show some some fight and be able to win. So what would I do? I like to preface my remarks with you know that I am not a coach nor do I play one on television. Obviously, I'm going to stick with Sinjay on Friday. I think he's fine there. I think he's figuring a lot of things out. He's going to continue to get better. I'm going to go to Nate Dome on Saturday. It's great to have a guy that can hold the lead, but it doesn't really make much of a difference if you're giving up six, seven runs in the the third, fourth innings. I need somebody to get me into those innings with the lead. I'll figure figure out the back end. Let me get to the fifth, sixth inning winning. And we'll figure that out. If Cade Smith is good to go this weekend, I would start him on Sunday. If he's not, I'll stick with Gartman for another week. Talking to Chris Lamonis on Monday on Sports Talk Mississippi, he made it sound like Bradley Lofton will might not start next week in the midweek. And so that they can have him available for the weekend. 
which I think is a good idea. Not not necessarily even as a starter, just to have him as somebody you can go to, you know, and maybe take that role that Nate Dome has had. If you make Dome a starter, then you need somebody who can maybe give you a little bit of long relief. Lofton could be that guy. If you watched last night's game, Aaron Nixon made his first return uh, since the opening weekend. Now, it was not what we would call a successful return. He plunked three of the five batters he faced to load the bases. I don't know that I've ever seen that. Hit them all in the same spot, right on the hip. Maybe that's where he was like, you know what, I'm just going to have a little fun today. I don't know. I don't think that was it. But If he's back and can give you somebody who can close games, and then you know Casey Hunt, who I said on this show, I said I think he's better suited for relief. He's been really good in relief. He's been really solid since he's been coming out of the bullpen. You have those two guys with Evan Sierra, Will Gibbs has been okay, Brock Tapper's been okay. You got some pieces there. You got to figure out the starting pieces, though. And then you can maybe move Gartman to the midweek where I think he'd be dominant. I think he'd be an outstanding midweek starter for you. You have Colby Holcomb, who last week, as we were doing this show, down in Biloxi, had a great start for the Bulldogs down there, but then wasn't very effective on the weekend. That's another big kid with big stuff, kind of like Dome. So State's got all these guys, and they got to figure out the puzzle. they got to figure out who they want to put where and where, when they want to have them. they got a lot to figure out. And it's unfortunate that you had all the injuries and the players out in the pre, uh, preseason, the, in the out-of-conference play, that you could have figured this out before now and been good to go going into Kentucky. Instead, you're still trying to figure it out playing Vanderbilt week two. So where do they go? I don't know. If you watched last night's game as well, you saw there were some lineup shifts. You know, Davis, David Mershon back uh, at third base. I think that's going to be his spot. I, I just think with Slate Alford, I feel like mentally he is he's not in the right place. He's not hitting the ball well. He had another big error on on Sunday. I mean, he's just struggling out there. You got to you got to go with Mershon. He just he just gives you a little bit more defensively. Um, you saw Aaron Downs get the DH spot and he had a base hit. He, he, you know, they got to figure out what they're going to do with, with the catcher position with Ross Highfield. Highfield had such a great week last week, three home runs in one game. And then this week, he, or I'm sorry, last week, two weeks ago is what I meant about the three home runs. Last weekend, he just, he struggled. He struggled. Um, and so they had Luke Hancock behind the plate last night. You want Highfield, in, you know, because his, his talent level is so high. His ceiling is so high. That's kind of why State started Dakota Jordan last night. And, and Lamonis talked about that post game. He said, you know, we've got to get that guy going. We know what we got with him. We've got to get him some at-bats. So that means you put Bryce Chance on the uh, bench, guy who's been hitting for you all year. Again, it's the same situation. You've got some pieces here. you got to figure out how to put them into the lineup correctly. Hunter Hines is heating up. Kellum Clark is heating up. So that's good news. Larry and Ledbetter at the top of the order have been really solid thus far. Ledbetter had a good night. had a two-run blast last night. And you know the funny thing is, I tell you all this, and it's you know if you're just listening, you just say, "Well, gosh, State seems to have a lot of talented baseball players." Yeah, that's kind of why we're all confused. Kind of why we're all wondering why they're not winning more games. And that's that's what Mississippi State fans want to know the answer to. I'm going to say it. Richard Cross disagrees with me, and so did Teddy Cahill yesterday when we had him on on Sports Talk Mississippi. But I understand that Chris Lamontis won a national title two years ago, but Mississippi State baseball is a program where if you finish, if you miss Hoover two years in a row, 
I don't see how you continue with that. Because to me, like somebody said, well, you know, then you, maybe you change your assistance and you give them a year to try again. This was that year. You finished last last year. You got to be better the next year. My preseason expectations for this team were just to get to the NCAA tournament, be on the road as a two or a three in somebody else's regional, but just get there. If you can't do that, two years in a row at Mississippi State, you get a third? And some people got, you know, they, they took umbrage with my, my analogy, but if, you know, Georgia's won the last two football national titles. Prior to that, Georgia hadn't won a national title in 40 years. Just had. They win two national titles. Everybody loves Kirby Smart. What happens if he goes four and eight, four and eight? They're fired, right? They'd give him another year if he went four and eight this year. It'd be really weird if he did. But they'd give him another year. They wouldn't give him a, a, a third year. Not at all. Nick Saban's the same way. Either you're an elite program or you're not. If you consider Mississippi State an elite baseball program, and I do, you got to be in postseason. That's got to be the absolute bare minimum is to make it to the NCAA tournament. So we'll see. I will tell you right now, as it stands right now, and look here, I have, I have been... I've been right. I've been wrong before. You know, 2018, I, I, I was very adamant early on that that team was not going to be any good. They went to Omaha. Could this team pull off a similar turnaround? Absolutely. They got a lot of things in common. A lot of new faces on that 2018 team. A lot of new faces now. But right now, man, I am not positive about where this program is going. They could prove me wrong. They come out and win this weekend. Win two games. Fine. Back in back in the game. But then you got to do it. You know, it's not enough to me for me to talk about it. it it's got to happen. It's got to be done. We'll see if it happens. Big series this weekend with Vanderbilt. Let's talk football when we come back. Spring football going on here in Starkville. What are we, what are we looking for? What do we want to see in this spring? We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Back here on Thunder and Lightning. Here on Super Talk Mississippi, from South Haven to Biloxi, from my hometown of Vicksburg to Meridian, and all points in between, my voice over the air in the great state of Mississippi, my home. Love to hear that. Let's talk some football. It's spring football in Starville. Practice ramped back up on uh, Tuesday after a spring break uh, break. Not to be redundant. Not to be redundant. Um. This team, and by the way, just for a quick note for football purposes, next week on Thunder and Lightning, we will have Mississippi State defensive coordinator Matt Brock join us here live on the show. 
You know, defense is kind of interesting. We're, and today, tomorrow's uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast covers this, you know, because we don't talk very much about it because that's there's so much continuity there. They, you know, they're, they're basically going to be running the same system. Offense is where the big changes are, you know, from, from top to bottom, a totally different style of offense in Starkville. Just when we had all gotten used, by the way, we had just all gotten used to seeing 55, 60 passes a game. They go and change on us. You know, I'm too old for change. I don't. I don't. I don't like change. I fear it. To be totally honest with you, um, offensively, you know, what, what are your questions? Right? Can Will Rogers thrive in a system that where he's going to be asked? He's going to be asked to do less and more at the same time. Let me try to explain that. Obviously, he's not going to have to throw the ball 55, 60 times a game. The entire offense doesn't have to flow through his right arm. But at the same time, he is going to be asked to take more chances. He's going to be asked to throw the ball further down the field. There's going to be less reliance on the short passing game and more reliance on the intermediate to long to vertical passing game. So he'll have fewer attempts, but you want to hope that, you know, from a, a yardage standpoint, especially yards per attempt and yards per completion, where State was not great last year, that he's able to thrive there. Then you have your running backs. Is Jaquavius Marks, is he a guy who can carry the ball 15 to 20 times a game and get you 80 to 100 yards every time out? You know, I like Simeon Price, and I'm interested to see what the, the two newcomers in. you got Jeffrey Pittman, the, the Juco running back from the Heinz Community College, who's, you know, more of a, of, a, of, a, of a power back. He could be your short yardage guy. And then you have Seth Davis, who's more of the home run hitter. Marks is a guy who I think has a lot of big play, play potential, and we obviously know what kind of asset he can be in the passing game, but this is going to be his, his real test to prove that he can be a feature back. You know, for especially for the NFL, they're going to be watching him very closely here. And then, you know, Kevin Barbet talks about, you know, his, 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 his catchphrase or his cliche or whatever you want to put it is, you know, get the play, the ball into your best playmaker's hands. You ask Brian Haydad, the best playmaker on the MSU offense is Tulu Griffin. So what are you doing? Obviously, he's already been moved to the slot, which, play some church music, Rhino. Hallelujah, that, that finally happened. Been begging for that. I think I want to, I want to think, I want to say that Robbie Falk and I spoke that into existence. We made it happen. That's what we do. But, they're going to try to find, you know, beyond just passes, there's going to be screens for him. There's going to be running plays for him. There's going to be trick plays for him. How do you get the ball to him? You know, I would say you need to have the ball in Tulu Griffin's time, hands, double-digit times a game, ten to fifteen times a game. If you can't do that, that's that. You know, that I feel like you're you're slacking there. Another offensive question for me is what is the role of Mike Wright, the transfer quarterback from Vanderbilt? I think he's doing it. You know, from what I can tell, he's got the tools to be successful in this offense, especially from a running standpoint. Now, we know Will Rogers and what he can do and what he can't do, and, and running the football is, well, we're going to be really nice. We're going to be really generous. It is Lent. We're going to say that running the football is not his strong suit. I, nobody's going to disagree with that. Will Rogers wouldn't disagree with that. Will Rogers is a great passing quarterback. Saw a thing today uh, from 24-7. They ranked the quarterbacks in the SEC and uh, Rodgers, I think they had him third in the conference, which I, w- I was surprised by some of the rankings there, but they had him behind K.J. and uh, Jaden Daniels. I, c- I can live with that. 
But Mike Wright is a guy who is going to have a package or some play calls designed to get him on the field to, to use his legs. And then at the same time, he's a competent enough passer that you can have him out there and get everybody thinking you're going to run, and you can throw the ball with him. I'm interested to see, do they set up uh, packages with him and Rodgers on the field at the same time? Can can will Mike Wright play a, sec, a different position? Can he go out and play as a... Uh, as a running back or a wide receiver for a play here or there? I don't know the answer to that. That's one of my questions. Defensively, as I said, there's a, there's a lot of veteran leadership here between Crumity, Pickering, Jordan Davis, uh, Jet Johnson, Buki Watson, DeCameron Richardson. you got a lot of guys back from last year. And then you got a lot of new faces. You know, And I, I think, and I, I talk about this tomorrow on the podcast, is that Obviously, we're going to point to Emmanuel Forbes and say, who replaces him? This is basically three straight uh, NFL cornerbacks for Mississippi State. Cam Dantzler had to be replaced. Martin Emerson had to be replaced. Now it's Emmanuel Forbes. Who gets first crack at that? You know, Is it going to be Kamari Rogers, the uh, the transfer from Miami, from Columbia, Mississippi? Probably. Yeah, I imagine he'll be up there. And then you've got a bunch of new faces there in the secondary from the transfer portal from this year and from last year. I mean, your three safety spots, you're too deep legitimately. Legitimately, your top two deep could be six transfers from last year and this year because you've got Hunter Washington and Marcus Banks and Jordan Morant from last year, and you've got Jacoby uh, Albert and Chris Keyes and Radar Jones from this year. And that to go with you know the returning guy, Sean Preston and Corey Ellington. Ellington's an interesting guy. He's a guy that in the spring last year we thought, okay, this is a guy who's going to make a big step forward this year. And then in the fall, you know, or I say the fall, in preseason camp, let's not let's not fall into that bad habit, no pun intended. We saw him, we're like, okay, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a big time impact guy. And it just never happened for whatever reason. He needs to take a step forward this year. That Tyrus Wheat position, that Sam linebacker, I think first crack's going to John Lewis from uh from Germantown High School. He was the state's uh I think from 24-7's perspective, he was one of the top players in the state a couple years ago. He's a guy Mississippi State won a very hotly recruited uh, battle with, with Ole Miss, to get him to get his signature. And so he's a great athlete. And, and, and we talked about this a lot last year, that State, for whatever reason, they didn't do a great job of rotating guys. They really relied on their starters. Wheat, Johnson, and Watson... Got so many snaps at linebacker. Now it's Lewis's time. You know, he's he's sort of going to be the guy there. Athletic guy, I think, sort of cut from the same cloth as Tyrus Wheat. A guy who can, you know, do a little bit of everything for you. And then you've got some, you know, some freshman linebackers. Jave Gilmore, Avery Sledge, Khalid Moore. They're going to have to step up and, and be the, that, the, that second line of defense behind the starters. Same with the defensive line. You know, you sort of know what you got. You know, Jordan Davis is out for the spring, but he'll be back. Then you have Crumity and you have Pickering. But then the next group, Deontay Anderson and, you know, Calvin Dinkins and Trevion Williams, who I talked about on the show last year. I think that, you know, from a physical standpoint, he's got all the tools. I think he will be the next first round Mississippi State defensive lineman. But they gotta they gotta deliver. So you've got you've got that veteran leadership on your first string. Your second string you gotta find that, and in the secondary you gotta find plenty of it. So there's some questions there for sure. I think there's a lot of talent though. 
I think it's a good football team. I think they'll, they'll you know, I, I've been saying it. I think they'll, 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 they're going to start the year. I don't know if they'll start the year in the top 25. I think they'll finish there. Yeah. They, they, they got four non-conference games they can win. And then they've got, you know, Kentucky at home. They've, they've dominated that series here in Starkville. They have Ole Miss at home. I, you know, I have a ton of questions about Ole Miss right now, especially defensively. Um, at South Carolina, it's winnable. You know, and then you, you beat A&M, Arkansas, and Auburn, all of them last year. Two years ago, on the road, you won two out of three and had Arkansas, had the lead in Arkansas with a minute to go. So those are winnable games. So finding eight wins isn't too difficult for me on this schedule. Now, could I be wrong? I feel like I, you know, I always say, "Could I be wrong?" You should just accept that fact. I, I'm just human. If I if I if I was perfect, I, w- I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Be living on the uh, top floor of the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. I'd be heading down in about an hour to go get my steak somewhere. But I look at this team and I see, you know, an eight-win team that can get to nine with a bowl. And hey, and if the things go really well, they could win nine in the regular season. If you told me at the end of the day, State lost to Alabama, LSU, and you know, Texas A&M. Okay. I can believe that. It's going to be a good team. I really do believe that. Spring's going to be interesting to watch. We talked to Arnett on uh, on Saturday, so I'm interested to see what he has to say. And then, like I mentioned, next uh, Wednesday, one week from today, Matt Brock will join us to talk uh, spring football and what he's going to do defensively with his team. We'll wrap it up when we come back. This has been Thunder and Lightning. Or this is Thunder and Lightning. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. Let's wrap things up here on Thunder and Lightning on a Wednesday evening. As always, I want to thank you guys for uh, for joining me here. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And like I said, if you ever missed the show, you love it, or you just whatever you want to do, it's all about the Thunder and Lightning podcast feeds, wherever you get podcasts from, and available every day at supertalk.fm. It is transfer portal season for basketball, uh, and those names are flying in fast and furious too many to list are throwing Mississippi State as a, a team they've heard from. But that makes sense, right? Mississippi State is a team that has a desperate need. They feel the need for three-point shooting. I don't know if that's as, as, as cinematic as the need for speed, but that's what they need. And so basically every kid who shot 50 or 60 three-pointers this year, who shot 33 34%, 35%, is hearing from Chris Jans and company, as he should. So that makes sense. State's still waiting on a final decision from uh, from Tolu Smith. I, I I think if it, if I had to pick, 
He, he, he comes back. But you never know. You just never know. And the last two years, I thought DJ Stewart would be back, and he wasn't. And I thought Iverson Molinar would be back, and he wasn't. So maybe maybe I should change my tune. Today, uh, our um, Armando Bacot, I think it's Bacot or Bacot, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I don't follow a lot of North Carolina basketball. But he came back for his senior year, an All-American. So, you know, maybe the same thing could happen for uh, for Mississippi State. You know, so I, I, I don't know how they're going to, you know, there's only two guys on the whole roster that couldn't come back. They could run it back and just try to fill those two spots. Tyler Stevenson and Eric Reed are the only two. They're they're flat out of, of eligibility. They got nothing left. Everybody else, Tolu, Deshaun Davis, DJ Jeffries, they could all return for another season uh, in Starville. So we'll see if that happens. But the transfer portal, it's going to be hot and heavy, you know. And of course, you know, you're bringing in uh, what five signees at this point, including Josh Hubbard. I don't know that we talked much about Josh Hubbard. Uh, when that signing happened, but you know, it was one of those things that I, it happened the way I thought it would happen. That as soon as he committed to Ole Miss, I was like, "Well, as soon as Kermit leaves, he'll be at Mississippi State," and that's exactly what happened. And you know, his relationship with Kermit is what sold him on the Rebels. Once that relationship was severed, he was you know, willing to go to Mississippi State. And if you want to call that, you know, whatever you want to call it, if you want to say, "Well, like, you know, like, he was second place," whatever. Where's he playing? Where do he sign? Who's got him? That's all that matters. He could still go to Ole Miss. He could have. He could have still gone to Ole Miss. He didn't. He didn't want to. And that's a guy next year who, you know, you don't want to put too much pressure on a true freshman, especially one that you know isn't a a five star, uh, you know, locked to be a lottery draft choice kind of guy. A you know, really, really good player. But you know, what can he give you next year? Well, he needs to be able to give you offense off the bench. That's that's got to be that's going to be his role in year one. That when he comes out there and he gets the ball and he's wide open out there on the wing, it needs to go in the net. How different is Mississippi State's season if they just had one guy where they could throw the ball to him behind the three point line and it, you could just count on it to go in the net one out of every three times instead of one out of every one out of every four. It's incredible the margins of that. Mississippi State was the worst three point shooting team in college basketball, the worst. And yet still made the NCAA tournament. Imagine Mississippi State being like the worst rushing team in college football and still going to a uh, a good bowl game. I mean, yeah. Imagine the baseball team having the worst ERA and still making the NCAA tournament. It, it, it seems impossible. Especially with, with how vital three-point shooting is to the, bas- the game of basketball today. And Chris Chan's found a way. That's why if, you, if there's any coach that I'm all in, sold... You've got my you you got my support. I believe in you. It's Chris Chance. Purcell's not far behind him too. I thought Sam Purcell did an outstanding job in his first year. That's the guy that grew as a coach as the season progressed, and you could see it. Got better each week as a coach. Already knew he was a lights out recruiter. Talent won't be an issue for Sam Purcell, but he's starting to figure things out from the coaching perspective, from the from the the playbook and the 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 chalkboard perspective. That's dangerous. And for Mississippi State, a program that, you know, really does support women's basketball pretty well, you got a chance, you know, to, to maybe have another another run there. I mean, getting to the second round this year was outstanding. And had Notre Dame, you know, had opportunities to win that game and go to the Sweet 16, just didn't make enough shots. Story of Mississippi State's life in the uh, the postseason this year. So we'll see. We've got uh, two more Thunder and Lightning podcasts this week, tomorrow and Friday. For, tomorrow, like I said, we're going to talk some baseball, some pitching, 
some MSU football, and then we'll look ahead to Vanderbilt on Friday. Plenty to talk about there as well. And then, of course, Sports Talk Mississippi tomorrow and Friday. Looking forward to that with uh, with Richard Cross and Michael Borky. And there you go. Don't forget, next week on this very show, Matt Brock, Mississippi State Defensive Coordinator, will join me. We'll talk a lot of football with him. And uh, looking ahead to next week, I've got some th- some ideas. I'm going to start percolating for football coverage that I uh, hope you guys will enjoy. We'll check it out, though. Have a great Wednesday night. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow. For Rhino down there in Studio X, I'm Brian Haydad. Thank you so much for joining me here on Thunder and Lightning. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.